Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Mike. I'm in the brand new studio with uh, Dr. Wade Johnson and a new colleague, uh, Pastor Jason Oakland, who is coming on here at the theology Professor department. Now. Staff. Professor, Reverend Jason Oakland. Um, going to be teaching some freshmen with me, some Old Testament and some history to start out with. And um, Luther scholar in his own right, we're going to say. So we're going to bring him on for this Winging It series, The Life and Thought of Martin Luther. Uh, Wade tells me that this is episode number 46. I didn't know the number because it's been a session. Session I 46. I always tell you this, Mike. Episodes are the main ones. Okay. And then the, the Winging It sessions, sessions are 46. Um, which I, I didn't know what number are we are on because it's been a very long time since we've done a Winging It. Right. Um, so I'm going to take your word for it. Kind of proud. 46 is a big number. Yep. And then we've made it all the way to 1530. Yep. And uh, we talked last time about probably the history of the Augsburg, um, the Diet of Augsburg, um, a imperial diet that was held in uh, the southern part of Germany, southern part where, uh, southern, more south than where Luther would have been mostly doing most of his, his, his work throughout his life. Only traveled probably through there once, maybe? I drove the, the wrong way in the city center in Augsburg by accident. And some Germans kindly figured out I was American. Yeah. I was, I was there with you. Was that with you? you? Yep. yep. With, with you and Travis? Yeah. Okay. So They're, They were nice about it? Yeah. They yeah. kind of just wait. We, we didn't go far. No. We were yeah. down by the dome, the cathedral, yep. and then we which is very nice and unique architecture there in Augsburg with the uh, Saint. Is it Saint Ulrich's? Something, the big uh, Roman Catholic church there with the Lutheran church that shares a wall with it. Are we talking, or maybe I'm talking about a different church in Augsburg? I'm trying to remember. This is, it has an onion dome. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll look it up while you're talking yeah. about theology. But so, uh, Augsburg did have some money there for a while because the Fuggers were there who were yep. the bankers so there is a, <clears throat> a nice amount of and, stuff and to a see. long history too I mean it was an imperial city yep. it was a Roman city you know what also happened in Augsburg we went with the Peels mm-hmm. a friend of the show Tyler Peel he's been on and his lovely wife Jill um, more lovely than Tyler even I would say would you agree mm-hmm. Michael is that fair to say mm-hmm. and then uh, Luke Boringer you guys are familiar with <clears throat> Pastor Luke Boringer um, and another friend and uh, we had uh, to go to a pharmacy because Jill was not feeling well, and we accidentally locked her in the room. It turns out that the room, you had to key, have a key to get to, out of the room, too. And so Jill had to, like, shout out the window for us because she was, she was locked in her hotel room in Augsburg. Very good. I do have a picture, I will send it to you, of St. Ulrich's which is, uh, has a white facade and a red um, roof. And it's a Roman Catholic church. But the Lutherans, at some point in history, wanted to build on the same property. And like, this is our church too, but we're going to be Lutheran. And so there's a tiny little version of St. Ulrich's <laughs> literally sticking out the side. And they, sh- I believe, share a wall. And that is in Augsburg? That is in Augsburg. Okay. Yeah. So I will send you the picture that you can you look on your phones yeah. from there. So anyway, I distinctly remember visiting that place um, at least once. So, so you, you brought us to Augsburg, Michael. And, and last time we talked about the context. Um, we, 
we sometimes have to, it's, it's wise to step back and realize <clears throat> when we've got our um, Lutheran and our confessional goggles on, that we look at things like the Diet of Worms or the Diet of Augsburg and we think like the main thing on the agenda was mm-hmm. Luther, for instance, at Worms. Um, and it wasn't the main thing, although it became a, probably the, the most memorable thing. I think it's fair to say, and you guys can disagree if you want, this, the religious matter was a bigger thing on the agenda at Augsburg than Luther was at Worms. <clears throat> um, For sure. But it's not the only thing right. on right. the agenda. I mean, even we think of like the, um, the, the uh, castle church, or not the castle church, um, the Wartburg. Like a lot of historical things happened there. Like Luther's, I, yeah. I, he's not a footnote to it, but you he do is the tour, and there's yeah. like there's a lot of non-Luther, and then there's like, oh, here's the Lutheran. Right, right. So we that's helpful to do that. So last time we did context. Now we're going to do content. You know what you do, listeners, too. If you go to, um, if you go to uh, the Fortberg and Eisenach, do the German tour, and then be like, oh man, I must have messed up. I don't speak German, and you'll get a way better tour because. The English tour is not nearly as good as the German. Mm. And once they feel, realize you don't speak German, they'll just speak English to you mm. anyways. And can um, give you more. Yeah, it's a much more comprehensive. I think they think English speakers like won't care about kind of like sure. the German history stuff. But if you're into that, it's the it's the better way to sure better way to go. Yeah, they always talk about what the Wartburg is a thousand years of positive German history, where yeah. you can find some pretty negative chapters in German history, but there you have a thousand years of positive things. That's what they There are bad things? <laughs> a couple mistakes. Yeah. Two misunderstandings, yeah. as we had a professor <laughs> say, yes. The, uh, Two very large misunderstandings. I, I, was, I heard, Mike, someone told me that you're not interested in doing a, like a Lutherland tours at some point. I don't want to lead them. Oh, see, because I would be interested, and I think Jason would. You yeah. guys you go You wouldn't want to team up with us? Uh, I do not. No, I don't want to travel. You would come, though? I don't want to travel with you. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> no, I've said that. I said I don't. You don't think I'll let the bird fly? WLC. I, 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 I would travel by myself kind of kind of guy. I, that does not appeal to me to lead a group. I would have, you'd have to really Oops. twist my arm to, there seems to like, I would be very nervous to be in charge of especially college kids in, in a different Man, land. I would, always just stomping on my dreams. No, the, this I know is, I'm attracted to like punishment. Yeah, I think <laughs> my there wife are just pun- stomps them, and then one of my best friends comes always, and kicks I come it, and I share you right? dreams all the time, and then, and then I just, just kick it out. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to be honest with you that I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying Man, I don't want I'm to do go it. Read Kierkegaard after yeah, this. Okay. I have angst. Uh, <laughs> Professor <laughs> Oakland, <laughs> if I said. Augsburg Confession, what's the first thing that comes to comes to your mind content-wise? I would say first thing content-wise, and I should maybe say too, thank you for uh, inviting me to be on today. I've uh, listened to the podcast for quite a while. You don't and have to lie. Okay, I just started. No, <laughs> uh, I have been listening for quite a while and, and uh, excited about the opportunity to join you guys. Uh, but I would say the first thing that... Uh, I think of when I think of the Augsburg Confession is really that founding, defining document of Lutheranism and and that first opportunity to put down in black and white, this is what the Lutheran Church stands for. This is what we believe 
what we teach, what we confess the Bible says. And, and from a Lutheran point of view, especially historically back then, as opposed to maybe uh, a, a post-Reformation denominations everywhere kind of world that we live in, they're trying to hold the church together in a certain sense, or at least saying, this is what the church always said, this is what the Bible says. Um, and so they certainly knew, and it becomes the founding document for the Lutheran church. Out of curiosity. But they're thinking about this is for everybody, which is, I think, important for us when we're teaching groups that aren't just Lutheran in our classes or, or going out into the world. Say Lutheranism is not trying to put a wedge in the church, but rather to say this is, this is, the, the, this is the narrow Lutheran middle road, and um, we, we try to be the best of both worlds and not the worst of both worlds, although we fail at that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Out of curiosity, um, did you two in the parish, I know we did often at Christ, um, celebrate the presentation of the Augsburg Confession in the church here? I always thought that was a, a neat kind of day to have a festival service and uh, a Bible study on. We, uh, I would say... Probably a handful of times. We're talking uh, June 25th, right? Yeah. June 25th. Uh, I would say I w- was in parish for 17 years, and I would say four or five, six times yeah. we did that as a minor festival. I think it's a, a neat thing for churches to think. I'm guessing you did some like obscure no, if it 13th f- century <laughs> saint, like dog no. bird or something. If it fell on... If it fell on... Like it was g- buried under an apple tree, <laughs> and then it blossomed in winter. Um <laughs> If it fell on and like pink chasuble is we- the color of the day. Wednesday or Thursday for salt's rose, not pink. Um, we would, if it fell on a church festival, I did not transfer it. Is what you what you're looking uh, for? Did I transfer it to a Sunday? No, I did not, because I follow the rules of the liturgical calendar. I transfer stuff. Like that. I you had, transfer whatever I, you're like. I had essentially like four times a year just right. I like because it. you're you're like one of those radical reformers. Like I'm doing Pentecost on Christmas it, just to be a yeah, jerk. It had. And it had good hymns. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, <laughs> we'd usually follow that too if it fell on the weekend. But there was one of the anniversaries, and I forget which one it was, where we did transfer it to the weekend and say, we're going to do this yeah. just because it was a, sure. a significant enough anniversary that we thought, well, good to put this on people's radar. The uh, You know what I used to use it for? I had a Bible class that I built out based on Oxford Confession. And I used it for a BIC with uh, people coming out of Catholicism. <clears throat> yeah. And it went really well, especially when you'd get to the the latter third, which is the abuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it talks about clerical marriage and, you know, um, distinction of food, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it led to really good discussion. And I think that gets to what you're talking about, Mike, that it's a it's a confession that's that while it has become kind of the defining confession of the Lutheran Church, um, to the extent that most Lutheran churches or many at least, if you go to them, will have a um, cornerstone or a, a, a plaque or something. Um, in the case of former synodical conference churches, at least, that says UAC, the unaltered Augsburg Confession. And remind me, at the end, we should come back to that and, and why we say that. Um, <clears throat> many uh, church constitutions, the Augsburg Confession, will have a prominent place as well. So while it's become defining for Lutherans, as Mike said, it's really meant to be... Um, a unifying confession for all. And that helps us from the attack of like, oh, we d- we just believe in the Bible, not confessions or whatever. That's a misunderstanding of what's going on here. You will confess. 
unless you're literally just going to read the Psalms out loud all the time, when you preach, when you evangelize, when you speak your what you think is true, that's a confession. All this is doing is saying over against what we feel is abuses in the church that we want to get rid of. Here is the summary of scripture that we're saying is, is helpful to, to bring us back to the truth. Yeah, there's a, Wells pastors will identify with this and I maybe shouldn't poke fun at it, but it's too You're allowed to. Is there's always the one guy at every pastor's conference when there's like a paper on the confessions or something who stands up and he thinks he's like making some bold point because he woke up during seminary when the prof said this. Uh, before he went back to sleep, he says, you know, in the Wisconsin Synod, we, we study the scriptures. We we don't just go to the confessions like in the Missouri Synod, you yeah. know, and they'll quote their their book of Concord. Um, and the, the person usually thinks they're being very Wauwatosan, and then you actually take up and read the Wauwatosans, and they're like writing on the confessions in Luther. You know, their point was just that the confessions are not the... Um, the norming norm, right? They're not the ultimate standard or canon or rule, um, but the scriptures are. Um, and that, of course, uh, portrays not necessarily someone's theology, although it's part of it, but really probably more their culture. Like you can tell, oh, you were born in 1950 America. Right. Or right. you became a pastor because you didn't want to go to Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, that was a line too far. Yeah. Was it really? <laughs> well, and sometimes those were some big classes. <laughs> they were. <laughs> they were big classes. The, the I, I think too. The sometimes that's forgot. The thing that is forgotten when you know a comment like that is made is yeah you know we we stand first with scripture but the confessions are still a norm right and we still we still point to them as a norm uh, and not one that we want to forget and we're still using them because we haven't found them to be unbiblical after. All these years. So I, I don't want yeah, to get us way off on a tangent. Well, let, let me let me ask you. This is the question I want to ask you, uh, both of you. Um, we'll start with we'll start with Wade, since you you kind of brought it to my mind. What about the the flow of thought in the Augsburg Confession, the table of contents? At first, you're like, oh, that's kind of random. I get you talk with God first, and then mm-hmm. about God first, and then you eventually get to this. But but there seems to be actually a flow, a logical flow to the actual order of the articles of the Augsburg Confession. Yeah. Can you speak to that offhand? Yeah, there's a, a little-known Lutheran theologian, I don't know if he's ever been mentioned on this uh, podcast before, um, Matthias Flatius Illyricus, or Ta- as we like to say in Wisconsin, Flacius. And um, <clears throat> Flacius once said that almost all of Scripture is in Genesis 1 through, uh, I believe it was 6, maybe it was 11. And... Uh, an interesting thing with the Augsburg Confession is really you have a uh, tremendous amount of the Christian faith summed up in just the first six, seven articles. Um, as as uh, they are very consciously, they set out early on to affirm um, traditional Orthodox Christian beliefs, um, partly because they were being accused of ancient Christian heresies. So, for instance... Um, sometimes the Roman Catholic opponents would toss out all oh, the Lutherans or Arians. Um, and so uh, very clearly early on they're going to lay out the basics of the Christian faith. And so you get first God. Um, and uh, you might think, well, doesn't everybody agree on God? Well, their point is to lay out clearly um, what we teach about God is what the, the creeds, the, um, the, the first three symbols the ecumenical creeds teach. <clears throat> then 
we get the problem. What's the problem? The problem is original sin. Um, and so we're going to deal with why that is the the problem. You're really talking God and man. Right. Theology and anthropology. And anthropology. Now, if we stop there, um, it's an accurate portrayal of the world, but it's not very comforting. So next we're going to get the Son of God who has come to redeem us. What's the chief work the Son of God has come to do? He is the justifier. He is the redeemer. And so we get four <clears throat> is the article on justification. Now that's great. Um, but as... Uh, um, you know, has often been said in Lutheran history, I don't know who the quote originates with, um, Jesus died on the cross, but I can't go to the cross, right? How does the cross get to to me? Well, that needs to come to me uh, through preaching and the means of grace. So through ministry. Now that's an article where we could have some fun discussion if we <clears throat> brought on some uh, friends from different church bodies. But at the end of the day, what Article 5 is saying is this is how the, the cross and justification, right, are delivered to you through the means of grace and through, uh, um, well, through preaching in the sacraments. Then we get six. <clears throat> and they place six perfectly. What will come out of this yep. dead sinner who has been raised, who has been justified, now will come new obedience. Notice new obedience does not precede um, what has come before, as we would have seen in medieval theology, at least some spark of grace. <clears throat> But now we will get six sanctification. Um, and really there, you have a large part of Christian faith and life. Um, where, What's going to happen once I'm brought to faith? I'm part of a family, and so seven will deal with the church. Um, and, and eight with what is the church. Um, then we're going to get nine, baptism, the sacraments, how we're brought into the church. Ten, um, we're going to get to uh, um, the Lord's Supper. And eleven, Repentance and really, with repentance, we could talk there about, and repentance, yeah. about confession and absolution. <clears throat> and so, laid out in a very catechetical um, and I would even say devotional way um, for us. I would say if we skip ahead as we get to the latter half, I referenced before, um, we will get to the abuses. And what they meant by abuses is that um, things that went beyond scripture that had been imposed on people. Not all of these things were bad. For instance, the distinction of foods, if if we truly if we freely choose to, to fast, there's nothing wrong with that. If um uh if Mike decides that a, a particular um kind of food is being sourced unethically and he's uncomfortable having it, that's it's fine for him to, to not have that. Um regarding marriage, clerical marriage, if Jason had decided he was fine with the single life. There's nothing wrong with that. But it was wrong to say to clergy, you can't marry, right? So these, I could say I was not the married one, but I don't, <laughs> yeah. um, So the abuses we'll deal with are the role of bishops, right? It's not wrong to have bishops. We could call our district presidents bishops if we wanted. But when they are given in their jurisdiction more than they ought to be given, then this becomes problematic. So it will, it starts very much unifying and then it proceeds to, here's some things that need to be cleaned up, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I think maybe even kind of repeats itself, not, not necessarily like in order, but you talk, okay, God, man, justification, how does this happen? The ministry of the church, what's the result? The, 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 the new obedience, right? The, the, the life of, of someone who is faithful. Then we talk about the church and what the church does, the means of grace, which is kind of a repetition of, because that's what the ministry is. 
right? The ministry is the administration of these uh, sacraments and the preaching of the word. How does the church govern itself? Then you have bigger topics like civil government, uh, the end times, free will. Well, how let's d go back to faith and good works, kind of like that. What is that question about the new obedience, right? And then you start getting into like, okay, topic A, B, C, and D that there's, there's reform needs, right? The cult of saints. Um, what, should we have just the wine or the bread and wine or just the, just the host, I mean, or el both elements in Holy Communion, marriage or priest, the mass, problems with confession or whatever. So I think there is a structure of here's the basic ones. Here's a little bit more when it comes to big things like free will, the church and stuff like that. And then very specific abuses that we need to say more to because of that time. So for instance, if you would write a, an Augsburg confession today, are we, would we spend a whole lot of time on, you know, monastic vows? Probably not, but there's probably something else within the church that we would add to. Mm -hmm. Right. So our, our, if we would write it today, which we shouldn't, and we're not going to, um, the, our articles in the twenties may would look a little bit different. Would you agree? Yeah, I would yeah. Agree. Okay. absolutely. Uh, Jason, what do you think? I mean, what? Although I still get pretty riled up about monasticism. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's something that we would maybe still say, but I don't think yeah. it's going to be a huge, huge deal. Marriage or priest probably would still be in there, I would think, in a different yeah, context. I, I really think we should get rid of it. Yeah. Different, different context. Um, what's your favorite article, Jason? Oh, favorite article? Boy, there's a lot of good ones um i w i would say i, I jason do sounds like when they asked trump what his favorite bible verse is yeah. two corinthians two, two, two two <laughs> i i do really like i do really like article five yeah I, I was gonna say that's my i i enjoy that i think just the what it says and how it says it um and again i think the the placement of that um in the order of articles um and let me, let me just summarize it for our listeners uh, so that we, so that we may obtain this faith. And I, I, I like, I was going to say this one too, because this helps me solidify ministry as a person coming out of the eighties and nineties when it was like, is it a CEO, the pastor, is he a coach, is he a rabbi, is he a leader or whatever? Fly, Mike? Yep. So that we may obtain this faith, the ministry of teaching the gospel and administering the sacraments was instituted. So this is why we have it, I think, was just such a powerful thing for that. And then, for through the word and the sacraments, as through instruments, right, the means of grace, the Holy Spirit is given, who affects faith, where and when it pleases, God and those who hear the gospel, that is to say, and those who hear that God, not on account of their own merits, but on account of Christ, justify those, justifies those who believe that they are received into grace on account of Christ. And um, I won't read the rest, but... I think probably for the same reason, because we're pastors, we say, this is, this is why I do this. And if I stray from the means of grace, then I am not, I am, I am straying from the institution and the purpose of what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, and, and I think you would hope that, um, for those who serve in ministry, this would be a very impactful article. And, and I think even the 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 condemnation line that they that they throw at the end where you know that they condemn those who think that the holy spirit comes to human beings without the external word through their own preparation and works i think again just speaks 
volumes to the religious culture of our day who, you know, there's so many that uh, seem that or think that they can find God wherever they want to find him and, and, and make him to be whatever they want him to be. And as far as uh, what he says in the word, as far as, you know, what uh, uh, those in, in uh, church or, or any of um, any who have studied that have to say about it, well, it doesn't matter because I can make him who I want because it's, it's my own thoughts, it's my own preparation, it's my own works uh, as far as how I want to relate to him. And that just, you know, again, um, seems to be a very um, important and pressing yeah. issue even in the church today. And the, the English external, the Latin, I think, is, is something more akin to physical, but external probably is what, what we mean as opposed to internal, <laughs> right? It's external, it's extra nose, it comes from outside of you. What's the, I don't know what the Latin is there. Um, In Article 5? Yeah, for external, last line, external word. Uh, oh, it's external. Yeah. Okay. And so, Verbal external. German. German is leiblich. So more like physical. Sense of physical, right? So, I mean, the, the both are, you know, accurate, but I, I I suppose the external reminds me of extra. It comes from outside of me. And that's gift language, yeah. right? That's and I, gift I think <clears throat> earlier on in, in the German, um, when it talks about the in, um, the predicted or the, it says the Moonlichvort, the uh, Moonlichvort, the uh, mouthy, right? The mm -hmm. oral word um, that, right? That reminder that God puts this good news in the mouth of another sinner. That once again, it's, um, put in another mouth to make it into your ear, um, I think is hopefully a good reminder of what church is actually supposed to be about. And that's not only um, the sermon, right, but the liturgy and the hymns as well. Uh, the goal of those is to be putting that word in your ears. Right? Uh, give me give me a, a highlight from the content of the Augsburg Wade that you... That well, I would something honestly, that jumps off the pages for you. I would have picked five as well. I think five is fantastic, and it's a testament to how well it's written that it took us centuries to come up with a fight over ministry uh, in American Lutheranism uh, because it spoke just so clearly about it at its core what ministry um, is. I will say um, one that I find uh Two that I find particularly interesting that come later would be of civil affairs, because this is speaking um, very early on um, about things that would have been uh, this. There's things that we can say are not innovations, and there's things that would have come across as perhaps innovations. Um, and having had the medieval synthesis of church and state for quite such a, a long time, what the Augsburg Confession is saying about civil affairs is very, um, it, it, it's, I wouldn't say groundbreaking, it's very biblical, but it was a, a much needed reminder at the time. Um, so it grounds that the, the government is uh, from God, right, that civil affairs, lawful civil ordinances are good works of God. Um, that Christians can bear civil office, which was important, um, because you had both 
the notion that if you really wanted to be holy, you became a monk or a nun or a priest. Um, but you also had Anabaptists who were saying you couldn't hold office or be a soldier. Um, and it grounds what the uh, good government is to do, which is, as Paul says in Romans, to award um, just punishments to those who do evil, um, but it's also there um, to uphold good in society, like holding property, making oaths, <coughs> and things of that sort. Um, but that, our righteousness, is not to be found there. And I think that's a very timely one for our own day, because even many Christians, um, it seems, are locating... Um, their hope and their identity and... In righteousness, something. yeah, in, in the, the civil... Um, I mentioned free will as the other one, just because the, the Lutheran confessions build off each other, and all of them, in essence, build off the creeds. Um, but if we look at the formula of Concord, one of the articles that gets moved up ahead way further than it was in the Augsburg Confession will be um, an article on free will, which is here, um, Article 18, and in the formula of Concord will be second, right? Um, as we see the need to stress even more, first article, we have original sin. And two, stop looking to your will to solve the problem, which is very timely in our own day. And then we'll get into Christ and righteousness. That's kind of interesting when you think about the Augsburg and the um, formula of Concord, really 50 years apart, right? Um, to see, sometimes I like the formula of Concord because in a sense it's more mature because you have 50 years of... A more maybe robust um, attack from the left, and I would think more what we call r more radical reformation. I shouldn't use radical reformation because that's kind of a specific thing, but more of a what we today call evangelical Protestant kind of theology. At the same time, Augsburg, at, at least the actual confession, rather opposed to the apology, is so simple and concise. It really is a masterpiece of mm -hmm. the use of language. It's um, a lot harder to teach a Bible class on the Formula of Concord than it is on the Augsburg yeah. Confession. <laughs> so um, I, I kind of like confession and repentance just because it's, it's one of those places where the Lutherans said, we are falsely accused of not doing this. In fact, we are the ones that are doing it right. You know? And that, that hits home with me because you, you still hear, even in today America, uh, some evangelicals will say, We're, Catholics aren't Christian. Like, I was a Catholic, then I became Christian, right? They distinguished the two. And they're not quite sure about Lutherans because we got all this kind of stuff, especially. And one of the things would be confession. We have uh, my, uh, one of my son's baseball team is uh, half Wisco kids, so half Lutheran kids. Um, and then some Lutheran kids who aren't going to Wisco. But then there's the one Catholic kid, great kid, one of my favorite kids on the team. <clears throat> and, uh, but they were talking in between games, uh, and uh, something came up about Christian, and the, the kid says, oh, I'm not Christian, I'm Catholic. Yeah. And I heard it, I'm like, no, you're, Catholics yeah. are Christians. Yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, but, you know, I remember saying the same thing when I was Catholic. Yeah. Because in America, Christian has just been taken to mean... Generic. Protestant, sort of, right, yeah. yeah. Um, even when studies often get done of Christians in America, it'll say non-Catholic, right? Yeah. <clears throat> just specify, like, we're talking Protestant. And uh, what's interesting with the Augsburg Confession... And I'm sure you talk about this a lot in worship, uh, Mike, is that uh, this is Catholic and Christian, yeah. right? Yeah. And that that word Catholic is a word that, unfortunately, we surrendered for too long. I 
you'll hear me almost always say Roman Catholic. Right. Which um, is when I talk about the church yep. in which I grew up. Um, which is not to put it outside of Christianity. It's simply not to grant it um, a term that belongs to the whole church and, and not to one specific church. <clears throat> Maybe a, I'll throw it to you, Mike, first, just because you probably talk about it in worship, but if Jason has thoughts, he can jump in. Um, Catholic, I don't know if we want to talk small C, big C, but when um, when the Augsburg Confession is essentially saying this is the Catholic faith, what do we mean by that Catholic? Universal faith, the faith that is grounded um, in Jesus Christ, but the foundation of the apostles, right? I, we, we have our own apostolic succession. It doesn't have to be this person was ordained by this person all the way back, but is your teaching grounded on the eyewitness accounts of the apostles of, of what Jesus Christ said and Apostolic did. Apostolic succession of preaching. Yeah, and I think um, we are not a sect. We are not some preacher that is a charismatic whatever. We are not we are not some fly-by-night church. We're not a culture church. We're not a church for this time only, right? And we weren't meant to be a state church. Yeah. And 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 when you read the Augsburg Confession, um, you know, as Ambrose says, as the church fathers say, we are not something new and that I I don't think that can be underestimated or that can be overestimated um, that, that we that that is so very important for them and for our today especially in a hyper individualistic America do what you want look inside of yourself the Augsburg Confession as you pointed out with in article 5 they knew what was going to happen and the Catholics did too when they said well everybody's going to be their own you know their own bishop and their own Pope and the Lutherans had to said no you misunderstood um, but there were some people who made it that way, right? And that is just so, so very dangerous. And I see this as the beginning of, you know, the modern period. And if, we're, if we are coming to the close in the modern period, which at least there's some reason to think that maybe that's the case. We need 500 years to look back in history accurately. But that there is a change that is a common, right? And maybe we are fed up with this hyper-individualism and... Uh, charismatic individual preachers who brag about not being a part of the structure. Right? Not being churchy. Not yeah. being so we have this kind of weird dynamic going on today where we are... Like bragging, we're not like other churches. Right. I mean, can you imagine like <laughs> you define the Augsburg right. Confession? Yeah. Right. We're not like other churches. That would have been abhorrent. You, well, and there's something about defining yourself by what you are not, right? And of course, those who purposely say non-denominational are a very small, I mean, you are, you are actually very limited in your theological uh, viewpoint to be called non-denominational. I mean, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room in there. They may say there is, but there actually really and isn't. And to be honest, 99% of non-denominational means what? Baptist. I mean, yeah, that's Baptist. right. Baptist. Um, you're, not, you're not fooling me, right? Right. But, but what's weird, we have this weird dichotomy going on here where we where there is a sense that all of our institutions are not trustworthy, where I think we are also not trusting our individual and we do want to look to groups in certain ways. I think it's an opportunity for the church, of course. Um, but, uh, and, and, well, that's a whole different topic. I'll, I'll stop there, but... That, that should be yeah. an episode, Christians and Institutions. The, I'm going to put that down. I also... Uh, 
Because how we relate to church, government, all these things, right? you know. Yep. Free Which, for all idea is names we would like back. <laughs> Evangelical. Oh, that'd be yes. Catholic. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't have to be religious. There could be any yeah. number of like words that have changed so much yeah. that they no longer are. Um, this sounds very <laughs> Derridan, but uh, that they no longer have their original meaning. Yeah. Another one, free for all, should be stoicism. Should be keep an institution, kill an institution. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. All right, I'm writing this like down. Like we throw two random, we put them in a yep. hat, and you draw them out. Which one are you keeping? Which and one are you killing? Yeah. Um, mind if I weigh in on yeah, that? Um, Please do. Catholic small C there. Uh, I think, uh, and this circles back a little bit to maybe the order of articles and and how they approach some of those things. I think. Um, that whole idea of saying we are we are part of the universal church, right? We are a continuation of the universal church and have every right um, to claim that just as you do, um, Roman Catholic Church. And you see that not only in the, the teachings that they're defending and how they're stating those things, but um, in the... And, quoting from the church fathers as as mike was saying before you know who who were well known and and uh claimed by the other side as well um but in the condemnations that they attach on a number of those articles too the reason they do that uh in large part is to say these false teachings that the church has condemned for centuries we're we're also right there alongside of you condemning those things and and you're not going to lay that charge of false teaching of heresy of being a sect you know whatever it would be on us because we are part of the church catholic we are the ones being catholic yes i mean i think we outmass the the pope yeah. we out confession the yes. confessors that would right, also yeah. be a good episode idea or <clears throat> something even in this series would be the place of condemnation um because right that that's something that um i think 20th and 21st century Christians nice. have become a little bit averse to, yeah. and um, yeah. but that that's a an, an integral part of confessing. It's it's interesting because at the same time people would say from outside of the church, "Oh, you condemned everything," but on the flip side, they say, "Why didn't you condemn?" Yeah, this, yep. that, or the other. The thing, funny right? thing too is, a lot of the stuff we condemn is so that we can have it back new, mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah, I was I was going to say too. You know, you say, "Well, that's unfair." You're you're taking pot shots at we're condemning this guy that died 300 years ago 500 years ago a thousand years ago whatever it is but part of that too is we're condemning what this guy was teaching because uh, it's going to circle back around and maybe we, we need to change, recognize that we should instead of condemn maybe we should say cancel and then the culture will be okay with it there you go okay uh <laughs> side note uh cancel I, areas yeah write down some um Writing down some ideas of the keep or kill institutions. So this is what the ones I got so far that we would throw out there. The NFL. Yeah, I think you could mm. have sports ones in there. Right. Like, and I'm not saying that football goes away with the NFL. Public schools, the Federal Reserve, the United Nations, the NCAA, uh, the World Health Organization, and NATO. Do we have any others that you I think, to? I mean, don't we have to do some church institutions? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm so waiting Maybe write church bodies, and we'll have to narrow down which ones. I think. Um, do you want me to put papacy? I think if we do public schools, we should do private schools. Yeah, private school. Um, yeah. I. Uh, 
if we get Peter on, we could like say health, like big pharma or whatever, or healthcare <laughs> type stuff. Yeah, but that's a little vague. You got to give me a, something specific. Because he, libertarians will just all individually heal each other for like right. a nickel. Right. <laughs> um, with an elixir. Yeah. Um. All right. We'll I, think about that more, but this is a good you idea. You know better than to invite me down a rabbit hole. Well, I just, I just, this is my what I was thinking. Can I, uh, can I toss Go out ahead. something about the abuses, and I'm interested in your guys' thoughts, and then uh, we'll what probably are we at wrap it up. We're at 40 minutes, okay. so we'll probably wrap it up. Um, I think something that's helpful if you read, and really to our listeners, sit down and read the Augsburg Confession sometime. You can read it's it in a day. That, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a terribly hard read. <clears throat> and uh, um, I would say, if you get the um, the Concordia Reader's Edition. Um, that's going to help you work your way through. Yeah. I actually like the pictures. I'm not going to no, lie. No, they're them. really good. Yeah, yeah they're nice. Um, but as we notice, the articles which are uh, that deal with the abuses, we get of both kinds in the sacraments, of marriage of priests, of mass, of confession, of distinction of meats, of monastic vows, and of ecclesiastical powers. I'll just throw out my brief thing I want to say, and I'll let either of you two react. <clears throat> One of the things that I appreciate about Lutheranism, um, having come into it, is that in these articles, um, in my opinion, you don't have the baby thrown out with the bathwater, if that makes sense. Um, some of these articles hit on aspects of Christian piety, um, where they will say, look, this is still a fine expression of piety if you're doing it for the right reasons, as Luther will say as he talks about the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> right? Um, so, for instance, the Mass... Uh, sometimes um, Lutherans will get very leery if they hear someone talk about <clears throat> the Mass. Um, you know, I'll sometimes joke, you know, um, well, not joke, I'll be serious, but I'll, the way I say it is somewhat joking because I know it'll get a rise out of someone is, so-and-so says a nice Mass. Mm-hmm. What I mean is they're, they're a good liturgist, right? Um, and maybe that's a term we gave up. Maybe that's a name that can go on that list of things we gave up. Well, like except would be the dis- mass. December 25th. Right. Um, but maybe... <laughs> you know, Christ's Mass. Yeah, in dealing with those articles, what's your general take on the approach of the Augsburg Confession, what we can learn from it, um, anything along those lines? I'll let you go first, yeah. Um, I would say, I think, um, to not be afraid to engage in those areas where there's disagreement or where, where there may be some difficult things to talk about. Uh, I think, you know, here they... And I think that what are they? These are abuses that have been corrected by us, and you know, stating here's what we think is wrong and and what we've done, and and I think you know to not be afraid to engage with those things um, and talk to people about some of those things. And yeah, you may not ultimately come to consensus, but at the same time, you're having that conversation, and I think that's an important thing to take away. Yeah, I think it's uh, I, I, it's something that should be more readily available, and that starts with the pastors. I think um, I started saying my catechumens at least have to be familiar with this. It doesn't take that much to, to, to do that. You can buy just the Augsburg Confession for mm-hmm. like just a few dollars and um, or print it off, of course. I just Concordia will sue you, man. <laughs> <laughs> printed it off from the... Um, from the uh, triglot, whatever, yeah, the, whatever the formula conquered, whatever. Um, for if no other reason, then you're going to ask them to stand up and die for the Lutheran faith. Maybe they ought to know what it, you know, some of the history and stuff like that. And I, th- I think if if you're a pastor, and you're like, oh, I never this this wouldn't be applicable 
Oh my, yes, it would be. Uh, uh, it really would be, especially some of the um, stuff on civil government, of course. And it just, you don't have to be too creative to apply that to, to everyday life. And it's a vibrant document, mm -hmm. right? It, I mean, we hate documents, right? We hate, here's a statement from this institution. This is a vibrant one. This is, this is um, there's some passion and some heat here. Um, you, know, you know, you can get into the apology. It's going to be a little bit more wordy. We get that. Um, but uh, you don't really have to. You can just stick with the Augsburg Confession. So I think... I don't know. That's that's my final word is to actually Yeah, and it. I think with these, um, I like that you bring that out, Mike and uh, Jason, also about the conversations and um, being able to have these discussions. As I've been prepping to teach world religions, which I inherited from Dr. Brown when um, he's retired now, um, especially the things that I mentioned that they talk about the abuses, these are things that come up when you look at different religions. Mm. <clears throat> How do they view marriage? How do they view food or clothing, right? The Utopia, do, end of time, apocalyptic. Do they have a monasticism in this type of religion, or do they not? Um, <clears throat> what are their ceremonies? And so this is to prepare students and Christians to be able to have meaningful conversations about what makes Christianity different. And when you get down to it, each of those articles, why do the churches of the Augsburg Confession say these abuses needed to be addressed? Well, because they got in the way of the preaching of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Which reminds us again, what makes Christianity unique right is the um is the gospel right the predominating voice um in the mouth house that is the the church where where the gospel is to be proclaimed um i won't take us down any more rabbit holes yeah, i think that was we're about time that was really good um, let's see if jason knows what to say this is his first time on we didn't tell him what guests are supposed to say at okay. the end but this is a wing in it session yeah but let's just okay? do it for fun okay, it's right. his first time okay um set it up for him don't don't tell him um <laughs> No, thank you for listening. Um, we hope to come back with this series. Uh, we'll probably have a maybe an episode in just kind of the aftermath of of the Augsburg, um, the Diet at Augsburg. Where's Luther? He's still in Coburg. What happens? How's his travels back? I'm I'm guessing there'll probably be a filler kind of uh, episode. I almost think we could we'll have see. one on like what is this Lutheran Church? Yeah, like as they begin to wrestle with what. Yeah. So stay tuned to see what we're going to come out as we go forward. This is kind of a milestone for us to get to 1530 uh, in, in a short 46 sessions, yeah. right? So, But I think you ended very well, uh, Dr. Well, Johnson, you. by saying all of these things. And it's such an important thing, like when we talk about two kingdoms and stuff like that, to say, why does this matter? It mattered to the Lutherans because if these things got in the... They didn't matter because they wanted to develop some sort of new way of doing government. It mattered because it got in the way of the gospel. It is about freedom from sin, hell, death, and the devil. And to enjoy a life that has been given back to us because when everything is done for us, there's nothing left to do but let the bird fly. Oh, I got it.
another round. Oh, one more round won't get me down. 